Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Zach Bondurant. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest, around the United States, Canada, and especially Minnesota, as we are doing a special Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly podcast tonight. I am live in Lake Elmo, Minnesota. My co-host, as always, in Chandler, Arizona, Zach Bondurant. Zach, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good, considering it looks like the abs are going to come back. And bring this to Game Seven. <laughs> Unbelievable! I, I knew it. I knew it. I'm watching it as we speak, and I was going like, my co-host is going to be just shaking his head, going, "I don't believe this is happening." Uh, being an Avalanche fan that you are, they are coming back. You told me you had a graphic waiting in case they did come back tonight. So it is a Game Seven headed uh, that direction. Uh, what an effort put forth by the Avalanche and. Dallas just had no match for him tonight. So, okay, a special edition, a special episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly tonight. Um, we were hoping to have this guy on Monday. We didn't connect. So uh, I invited him back Wednesday. I think we have him now. Um, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this one, Zach. So let's just uh, bring on our special guest, uh, a Minnesota native, Duluth native, a Hobie Baker Award winner, coach at USA Hockey, a gold medal winner with that uh, 2018 women's team, world junior player, uh, and a guy that actually played for the Phoenix Roadrunners of the IHL. Um, so many things. So without further ado, let's bring on our special guest tonight. Um, I believe uh, my friend Jess Myers called him a gopher legend. So uh, let's bring on Rob Stauber. And uh, Rob, if you're there, go ahead and click on one of those call-in buttons on the top, and uh, we'll bring you on the show live and talk some hockey tonight. And just to say, I think that rap sheet matches mine too. So <laughs> I don't think you missed anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, man, oh, man, he's a uh, he's, uh, an athlete, he's a coach, he's a father, he's got a son playing, I believe at Providence, we'll touch base with him on that uh, as well, but if you want to talk about Minnesota hockey, he is certainly one of the legends. We had Pat McElhenney on on Monday, uh, Sunday night, and Pat is a uh, gopher hockey legend as well in the state of Minnesota, so so many of them. Uh, Rob's coming, up, coming to us tonight as a uh, 
Uh, a mutual friend, Kenny McCudden, suggested that I better have Raw Bomb when I was in Minnesota because if I didn't, uh, Kenny wasn't going to be happy with me. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll get him on here in just a minute. I see that he's on the board. It's just a matter of getting him in the call-in uh, sync, and we will go from there. But, um, Zach, this professional hockey stuff is, uh, has been everything we could have ever imagined. And the only thing I'm sad about right now is we're getting closer and closer to just four teams left. And, you know what that means? Just two games, uh, probably one every other, one every night. Uh, but uh, what do you say? What do you say about hockey like that? Um, I, honestly, I kind of like it because it shows we're getting back to something normal. <laughs> so um, it'll be a bummer because the pace will slow down. Um, but I think I heard today where the Lightning had already traveled to – to the Stanley Cup where they're going to play it. I think I heard that. I could have mis- misheard. but um, On their way to Edmonton, you mean? <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty sure. Um, I think that they are on their way there or they are already there today. But, um, I mean, it, it's going to slow down, but the pace and the play of hockey is going to is gonna increase tenfold because this is for the right to go play for the Stanley Cup after uh, – after they get down to the one one every day, because it'll be Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, alternating each day. So, I mean, it's going to be the best time for hockey because this is this is what all the blood and, and sweat was for leading up to the season and all the tears during COVID and all the blood and sweat going back <laughs> into the bubbles. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. Um, uh, I think uh, – hold on one second here. I think Rob is trying to call in. I think he's on the app. So, uh, Rob, if you can hear me or um, say anything, just it's one of the green call-in buttons on the top should should connect. Um, he just sent me a message. So if, uh, if Terry, our executive producer, is, is listening, she can uh, maybe – get Rob on the phone and, and, and walk him through those instructions. It's If you haven't been on the Podbean app, um, it's a great app, but sometimes it can be a bit confusing, especially your first time on here. So hopefully we're able to get Rob connected here in just a second and we'll go from there. But um, yeah, I mean, I told you this was going to be uh, what I thought the best playoffs in the NHL history. And I don't think it's disappointed at all. I mean, uh, all the teams that are there right now in the final eight, uh, deserve to be there. The teams that are going to get into the final four definitely deserve to be there. And I think we're going to have the finest Stanley cup final um, that we may have ever witnessed. So um, we just look forward to it, right? He's uh, yeah, yeah. He apparently. Okay. Apparently he's looking for headphones. So I got his message. Uh, <laughs> uh, his headphones weren't working properly. So he's going to try to find those and then we'll get Rob on. So um, yeah, the, uh, the fun part of uh, playoff hockey is everybody's given it their all. I mean, you saw tonight a guy like uh, Landis got go off the ice and look like he, probably in a regular hockey game, he doesn't come back. Um, and he fought his way back for that third period. They were up 3-1 when he got back to the ice. So, uh, you know, they probably could have gotten it done without him. Then the other thing you look at is the goaltenders. Michael Hutchinson, seriously? He's the guy that's leading them right now? And uh, 30 years old, getting his first NHL playoff action. And, uh, wow, what a night he had. So, And then you look at the Demko the other night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I joked with uh, Jesse Granger today from The Athletic. I said, 
he was wondering if Demko was just that good or what. I said, I think what happened was Travis Green took a little bit out of uh, Pete DeBoer's playbook and thought, you know, if I play my backup, my guys are going to play harder, right? Because they, they're going to try to play hard for the backup. And maybe he got a little more out of his Vancouver team last night than, than he might not have or that he might not have gotten with uh, uh, whom I think in Markstrom in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is something that's to be considered. Um considering I heard a couple of the guys on TSN talking about the the abs looked better with Hutchinson and net rather than Francis. So you kind of come to the rink with that mentality of like, all right, our guy's cold. He was the backup backup. You know, we still have the talent to win this thing. He is in the NHL for a reason. And this is our boy. This is, he's one of our teammates and we're going to play hard, uh, so that he can get his win and he can he can show his skill. So it's something to be considered when you have that um, when you have that situation of you know who's who do I play in net? You know we've had a we've had a rough go with my previous guy and let's see if we can shake it up. And I mean it worked. And Demko, I, it's, I think he's that good. I've been watching him since Boston College and I've been high on that kid for a really long time. One because he's from. The state of California, which shows the game is growing. <laughs> right. two, Absolutely, San Diego, because, California. Yeah, and two because he's an American, and the Americans have been hungry for a solid goaltender um, since Ryan Miller had that mega run to the medal game in the in the Olympics, and now you have Gibson and um, Demko. So. I really like the kid. Uh, I really like the way he plays. Uh, unfortunately, I think Vegas is going to drop the hammer the next game because that's just what they do. <laughs> well, and they're just so deep. We've talked about it all year long. And uh, one of the things that I saw the other night, a lot of people were talking about the back-to-back and who would you play? Would you play uh, Leonard again first and then go to Flurry? Would you play Leonard both games? Would you go Flurry Leonard? And I think that's where I said this Pete DeBoer thing came out is he commented afterwards. He said, Hey, I knew on the back end of a back to back that I was going to get more from my players if I put Mark Andre in net because they all play well for him or play harder, if you will, for him. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know why exactly. that would necessarily be, but he knows his team. And lo and behold, that worked. I think they really wanted to finish it off last night. I didn't think they wanted to drag it on to a game six, but here we go. There's a game six Thursday night, so let's yeah, see and, what happens. And that's just something with goalies and having Rob on. Maybe he can allude to that, um, being a goalie himself. Um, it's just it's something different. There's 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 goalies that have that aura about them and just bring out a whole nother level to guys. And I mean, Flurry being the type of guy he is, he's such a he's such a joker. He's so lighthearted. He's a good dude. He's really funny. Um, I know I would go to war with the guy because you know it just because after the game, if you get the win, you know he's going to have something funny to say. So um, yeah, absolutely. And I am just getting a message from uh, from Terry, our executive producer, telling me that Rob may be having to call me. Uh, so you've gone through this road before, Zach, and I, again, I apologize for you to have to go through this, but if we do go that route, you shoot me the questions. I will read them on to Rob, and, and he can uh, take them from there if that's how we end up going on this. So let's uh, 
let's see what happens. If I get a phone call here in the next couple of minutes, um, we will uh, we'll, we'll patch him through that way and we'll do our very best because he is, uh, like I said, he's a legend at the University of Minnesota. He's a legend in Minnesota. Uh, he was in high school when I was at college at University of Minnesota Duluth, and I know um, probably every every you know hockey team in the state, if if not many in the country, wanted Rob Sauber to be on their team. He's he's a not only a fantastic guy, but a fantastic goaltender. And, you know, winning the Hobie Baker as a goaltender was something that just you never thought of, right? That was before the Richter Award, but you just didn't think goaltenders were going to get that award. And uh, he did it. So uh, he went on, played with the LA Kings for for a while. He played uh, a lot of AHL hockey, about 15 years, I think, in the NHL, AHL, and IHL. And like I said, it's rare that we get somebody on that's actually played in Phoenix as part of the Phoenix Roadrunner. So um, let's hope we're able to connect here and, and get rolling, and then we can uh, we can fire away with some good questions for him, and I'm sure we're going to get some good answers. I think, I, if I'm not mistaken today, I just saw that his uh, son transferred from uh, – yeah, it looks like he will be calling me. So I think I got him coming in right now. Hold on just one second. Oh, we wait for uh, for Scott to bring uh, Rob on. Okay, and, yeah, we've oh, got here he is. We do have Rob online with us. As I said, Zach, you will you'll be able to hear his answers, but you won't be able he won't be able to hear you, unfortunately. So, uh, let's welcome in Rob Stauber from uh, from Minnesota. And Rob, I don't know if you heard my introduction of you, but I mean, I think I could still be going on with all the things that you've accomplished. So, congratulations on everything that you've done in hockey. And uh, I, I want to start off by talking. I was. Uh, sophomore at the University of Minnesota Duluth while well, you were playing at Duluth Denfeld. So let's go way back to those days, if you will, and tell me a little bit about playing hockey in uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, and I did hear you guys early on. I was having a head problem, but uh, this is like pulling the goal and getting a new one in that can, <laughs> can get the job done. But uh, th- again, thanks for having me on. And, and uh, you know, let, let's be honest about Duluth, Minnesota. It's cold and it's not a whole lot to do uh, in, in the winter. And, and it's either uh, ice hockey or skiing. And who wants to ski when it's 10 below zero, right? So right. Uh, it, it, hockey is just uh, obviously a uh, tradition in, in this area, uh, northern Minnesota, and all the great hockey players all the time. Not only from the Duluth area, but the Iron Range. Um, it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a cult, I would say. Yeah, I hear you. And, uh, you know, uh, our mutual friend, Kenny McCutton, uh, I've had him on a few times. Now. I've had a chance to uh, to visit with him in person in Vegas when he does some of his camps. And he told me, he goes, hey, you got to get Rob on. You being a Minnesota guy, he's a Minnesota guy. I said, hey, that's perfect because I'm coming up here. I'm going to have Micheletti on. I'm going to have uh, Jess Myers on. Rob's going to be a perfect guest. So I'm glad we could hook up and, and get you on. Uh, so many things to talk about, but... Uh, and as I mentioned in the open, Rob, uh, winning a Hobie Baker as a goaltender was just something that people didn't consider, and you did it. Tell us how that all played out for you that year. Well, first of all, it was a long time ago, and uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, to be just uh, 
you know, completely frank, it's, it's, uh, for me personally, it was, I, I wasn't even aware, um, you know, I was a sophomore and quite frankly, that, that meeting up to that season, we had lost, uh, about four players to the U.S. Olympic team. That was, uh, 87, 88 and we lost Dave Stenberg and Corey Millen and Tom Chorsky and, uh, Todd Richards. Um, we, we, yeah, Jonathan was at one of our goalies. So we had lost uh, quite a few players. Um, and, you know, I think probably one of the, one of the reasons that maybe that, you know, from, uh, from an individual perspective, things came together is, uh, you know, having lost so many players, we weren't expected to do very well. And, um, you know, WCHA back then was, you know, just an incredible league, great competition, et cetera. And because we were, maybe scheduled to be very good because of the being depleted from the Olympic team. We went on and, and won 34 games that year, which is uh, second most in the history of the, the school. So I think, you know, we had great leadership that year. We had uh, Paul Brock was one of our captains, Tim Berglund. Um, not Tim Berglund, but Paul Brock was a captain. And uh, uh, Jay Cates. We just had great leadership and you know, a desire to win, and uh, and we, you know, believe it or not, I guess back then, 87, 88, we played a little bit like the Oilers did in the early 80s, where we just, we were a running gun team. So from that perspective, uh, you know, I either had a chance to play really good or not look very good. <laughs> you know, it was, it was one or the other, right? Right. And, and fortunately, uh, you know, uh, we won a lot of games and, and because of that environment, you know, I had a chance on a, on the individual level where it was, uh, as I said, either, you know, there weren't a lot of, you know, gray areas. So, uh, fortunately everything came together for our team that year. And it's something that I didn't even pay attention to. I had no idea. <laughs> I never, never paid any attention to the voting, nothing. So it was, you know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just a, quite a surprise. Okay, so so I'm going to tell you, growing up in Minnesota like you did, um, that everybody wanted to be a gopher, right? But also, but also everybody wanted to uh, to get to, to to the NCAA level. And with Minnesota Duluth recruiting and North Dakota recruiting and and all these schools, how difficult was it, or or was it a pre preconceived thing that Minnesota is where you wanted to go? Well. I did want to go to Minnesota, and one of the reasons, and, and now, again, we're, we're talking many years ago, 30-some years ago, right, where, you know, there weren't that many D1 uh, schools, so that alone was really hard, just to make uh, uh, Division One hot. Uh, the number of schools playing back then uh, were not what they are today, so just to get there, to your point, was a very difficult, uh, you know, task. Um, on the other hand, you know, as far as the ultimately in my heart where I wanted to go was I, I recall, like you said, you had Pat McWin. Uh, um, uh, my family had season tickets to uh, the Yogi Bulldogs for, oh, my God, 20, 20 25, 30 years. So we, we watched the Bulldogs. You know, they were big supporters of the program, my family. Uh, we delivered players back in the early 70s. My family did when, when that could happen in college high. So, we, you know, we uh, we were bulldog fans. Uh, on the other hand, as a kid, when you when you're growing up watching these college high, you watch North 
watch Wisconsin come in. Uh, you watch the Gophers come in, uh, et cetera, down the line, right? You watch all these teams come in. And, and at that point, you know, for me, I was, I was, a, 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 I would call myself a student and a fan of the game. So I became, a, a, you know, a, a, what would you say? I didn't want to tell anybody I became a golfer fan, <laughs> even though living in Duluth. And one of the things that, that I loved about the program was, um, you know, when they came in to play, you know, uh, the Bulldogs, it was always a, it was always a, a hard fought contest. And I, you know, it, it seemed like the golfers always seemed to come out on top. And, you know, in my own mind, uh, who doesn't want to play for a team that comes out on top? Right. right? So that was, that was really, you know, the big reason why I wanted to play so is they, you know, obviously for Brooks in the seventies, uh, which, you know, I was watching those golfer teams come uh, into the booth and, uh, obviously, Brad Buto did a great job when he took over for her for you know, several years, and then, and then I, you know, I was recruited by him. So it was really just watching both us coming to Duluth, you know, there, and then also from uh, uh, just that they seemed to be successful, and and you know, I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, that's. Uh... You know, I grew up in in northern Minnesota, northwestern Minnesota, so I knew all about that. I, I grew up with the Brattons and 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 such. So, and I played a lot of golf, and I went to Minnesota Duluth and and played on a on a golf scholarship there, and uh, of course got to be good friends with everybody on the hockey team because that was my second love. But when I moved to Arizona 30 years ago and was playing golf and doing different things down there, uh, when I found out that ASU was going to have an NCAA hockey team. Um, I knew that's what I wanted to do, so I got back and formed this company uh, starting our sixth year now. And, um, you know, the fact that Arizona State's playing NCAA hockey and traveling all over the country to play uh, teams like that is, is pretty amazing. But uh, you played in the NHL, you played in the AHL, but you also had a little stint in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona with the Roadrunners, didn't you? Yep, yep. Uh, that, was, that would have been in the early 90s, had a couple stints with them. Uh, uh, Ralph Baxter, the old Denver University coach, was uh, uh, one of my coaches when I was there. And uh, he was a great guy. Uh, had some good experiences there in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, who would have ever guessed that, you know, uh, years <laughs> later, hockey would be booming, you know, in, in you know, the South and uh, the West and, you know, all the growth of the game. And, you know, I think, um, you know, if I just touch on that, I just, you know, I, I give so much credit to, uh, you know, the visionaries, but I really get a lot of credit to Wayne Kresge, who was willing to, you know, really grow the game. In my mind, he would face the game. He was willing, and, you know, I recall, I recall the time we went down to Florida playing an exhibition game in the ice was in the Sweetland, um, <laughs> uh, late 80s, I guess, uh, yeah, it would have been like, he, he, let's call it 88, 89, um, something like that. And, and you know, here's Gretzky, the, you know, let's call him arguably the greatest player ever played. He stepped on the ice in Florida in this country. Right. You know, and, and he was willing to do that. And, and, you know, honestly, you never heard him complain about it. I'm sure underneath his breath, he probably was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, we got concrete, we got some ice, a bunch. What am I doing? Right. He was so willing 
uh, to put himself out there to grow his game and, and in these different venues and gain, you know, interest, call it momentum. And ultimately, you know, like anything, it takes time. But, you know, look, uh, to your point, look what's happened. And, and um, you, you now you have colleges, uh, and, and you're going to have other college uh, E1, uh, and, you know, pop up in spots where you say, man, I'm not sure I ever saw that coming. You know, so Arizona State having a D one team is just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my co-host, Zach Bondrant, grew up in, in the L.A. area. So, Zach, fire a question away at me, and I'll try to relay it as best I can to uh, to Rob here so we can uh, get you involved in the conversation. Yeah, definitely. So, based on the accolades that we had kind of talked about before, world championship, gold medal, uh, his record playing for University of Minnesota, NHL records, all that stuff. Uh, ask him what is his what is he most proud of during that career and his entire hockey career. Okay, we'll do. Okay, uh, Rob, here's uh, Zach's question. He said, "With all the the accolades that we threw out at you and all the things you've accomplished, uh, whether it be playing college hockey, NHL hockey, or coaching like you have and." winning a gold medal with that uh, USA women's team just a few years ago. What do you look back on right now and say is your greatest accomplishment? Well, um, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a wrinkle at this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, throw it at to, to Zach's point. Uh, and I think in the very beginning, as I said, I heard you guys, I was, I was trying to fumble around with some, uh, get my headphones working, you know, uh, hockey has been, just, uh, you know, just great to me. In, in my life, it's, it's, I started playing when I was five. I'm, I'm 52. I'm still, still involved. Um, but I'm going to throw a little wrinkle. Um, the, the, the greatest memory I have in hockey and, and um, kind of the, the proudest moments I have in the game um, and here's the wrinkle is uh, uh, not this past season, but the previous year, uh, watching my son's team win the, uh, uh, the you know, the Clark Cup in, in uh, the USHL. For six weeks, I was able um, to travel around and watch their team, you know, go from series to series to series to series and, and win it all. And as a dad, um, being able to enjoy that and watch that and, and you know, my son's a goalie. Uh, from from just a pure love and joy perspective, that was just an incredible experience. And um, and it, you know, it just had everything to do with my son. And and maybe one of the big reasons that it was so enjoyable is that position of goaltender. Uh, you know, to Zach's point, and, and I heard you guys talking, is that it's such a critical position, and there's 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 so much pressure that goes with the position and obviously me being involved in that position my entire life, knowing what my son had to do to prepare to be his best day in day out for, you know, the six weeks of that, that their playoff run. Um, I, I just, I knew just about everything that he was going through yeah, and I know I how did. difficult it is. So um, that, that's my wrinkle is it has nothing to do with me other than enjoying the game of hockey, watching my son and his team go on a run that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I've seen a run like that. So um, I've had a lot of great things, um, 
but but that was spectacular. You know, that's a wrinkle, but it's a wrinkle that I'm going to tell you honestly. I I didn't um, not expect you to say because I just know how proud you are of Jackson and what he's been doing. And he he moved on and, and made his choice to go to Minnesota State, but now he's made the move to Providence. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yep. He, he made the move to Providence and, and uh, you know, I think that's part of kind of his story and why it's so much fun for me. Cause I know his story and I know, um, you know, he, he and, and for anybody out there that's listening, um, I just talked to a young goalie, uh, two, two, three weeks ago about the same kind of, uh, scenario is that in, in you see it in the NHL, you see guys that weren't drafted or, or, you know, drafted way down at the, you know, the bottom and, and not a lot of accolades. And, and you see people come from those environments where maybe they didn't make the A teams growing up, you know, and there are a lot of kids that, that, you know, might be 9, 10, 11 years old, don't make an 18 lose interest or get discouraged. And that was my son. He, 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 was, he was not the kid that was making the 18s. But, but you know, I, I, my, my philosophy is it's, it's, not about, it's not about where you're at when you're 9, 10, 11, 12. It's a matter of where are you at, how well are you positioned when the light goes on. And in most cases, the light will go on for most athletes. It'll go on. Sometimes it doesn't. But, but the question is, when the light does go on, do you have the fundamentals and are you sound mentally for the challenge? And, um, you know, I'd say for any kid out there, the, the key isn't about where you're at when you're 12. It's about are you doing the right things and keeping yourself, you know, in, in a good position when, when the time comes. And, and you know, um, I would just say that, you know, what does this have to do with Jackson at Providence is that, you know, Jackson's a type of kid that has taken things into his own hands. And, and when he feels that he's got to make a decision, a, you know, kind of a life decision that he makes it and he moves forward. And, and that's really what that decision was about. And I think that along the way, Jackson has learned a lot of things like other kids and, and you got to learn from your experiences and then you make, you know, decisions and, and, um, you know, he made a decision to move to Providence and, and, um, in fact, I just spoke to him tonight and seems, you know, just thrilled with his decision and, and ready to play. Okay. So I'm going to let Zach jump in with another question here in a minute, but I want to ask you, you know, the hockey world, the, the entire world was taken, uh, really aback by what happened with COVID back in March. And we saw so many disappointments for guys that, couldn't finish their season and tournaments that couldn't be played and the NCAA tournament. And you think about all that. And, and I want you, if you can, just to reflect a little bit about uh, your thoughts on how everything's happened and, and what it was like to be a parent uh, of Jackson, knowing what he was going through um, that nobody had any answers to. Well, that's, that's uh, a great question. And um, I guess, one of the things that, that, you know, how I approach just things in my life um, and then how people that I'm close to, how, um, you know, in this case of my son or, or anybody else that might ask me a question like this, I just say, you know, isn't this a good example why you live each day to its 
fullest, isn't it? Why every day you step out of the rink, you should have a smile on your face because you have no idea when it'll be your last day on the ice. You have no idea. And so for me, you know, the lesson is, is yeah, everything was cut short immediately. You know, for so many people, it was just, you know, it was like once the, you know, kind of the NHL domino went and they said they weren't going to play, it was just a domino effect, right? And and rightfully so. Um, But but my, my, you know, my point or how I look at it is not so much about, not so much about, well, how difficult is it? I get that. But to me, it's more about reflect day in and day out and live each day stay in the moment because those are the, the those are where all the gifts are in every day you have you, you know you have great relationships in hockey you get great teammates uh just appreciate those things every day so when something like this happens and who knows hopefully it's the last time from this perspective that something like this happens but you know other things happen right so so for me you know how i look at it and and it's it's more about did you make the best were you enjoying and this is an example of why you should so that's kind of how i look at it really good perspective that's awesome uh zach i got one more i can relay on to rob with uh yeah absolutely so we had seen when his uh when the dream gap tour came to arizona and uh, they played the uh, the Phoenix Coyotes alumni. We saw some of his players play. Um, what's it like, if you can ask him, what's it like uh, having those players move on to, to kind of grow the game for women um, past what they have done? All right. Uh, I'm going to try to relay this from the way Zach brought it to me, uh, uh, <laughs> Rob. But uh, we had a chance in March, right before COVID hit, to see the uh, – Dream Gap Tour, and I know you being a coach uh, of the Women's League and, and coaching a lot of those players um, in the Olympics. Um, I'm trying to remember Zach's exact question, but I think he wants to know exactly what it was like to coach that caliber of women and, and the excitement, the uh, national pride that you guys had winning a gold medal. I, I kind of summarized for you, Zach. Sorry. Sure. No, you're good. Yeah. Well, it's it's anytime you get a chance to work with the best in their profession, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's an honor, uh, period. Right. You, in this case, obviously working with the women who, you know, were at the top uh, of their game and then, you know, the top of the world, as far as the, the best of the best goes. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, no, I don't think anyone should be oblivious to the fact that, that from a coaching perspective, there comes a lot of challenges with that. You know, there's some incredible um, memories, incredible opportunities to be able to work with them. And, and, and again, like anything on the flip side, you know, it's, you, you put together a team, which ultimate you're doing and, and you're putting together a team where all of these players typically, or historically, the programs they come from, they were their best players on those teams. Right. And and now you're trying to weave all this together. And regardless of, of and, and this is what I say, because I've been, I, you know, I'm fortunate I coached, you know, high-level women and I've coached high-level men. And when it comes to 
weaving talent in and having the right chemistry, that doesn't change at all for men or women. I mean, it, it is it is absolutely the same. You have to have the right chemistry in order to be successful. So, so coaching the women uh, is really no different than the men in a sense that you have to have the right people, the right chemistry in order to be and give yourself the best chance to be successful. So the, there are those challenges. Those aren't any different. And, you know, anybody that's coached women will tell you that, you know, they, they across the board, the women are very open to suggestions and ideas and they consume information. They, uh, they, they, they love to be taught, um, et cetera. Right. So that, that is just a wonderful environment to be in. Um, again, men, you know, from the perspective of men, sometimes that's not always the same in, in, in the men's game where it's, it's different. Um, but, you know, both sides are different. So if I can answer Zach's question, it was just a complete honor. Anytime you get a chance to coach the best of the best, um, uh, but at the end of the day, it's you're still putting together a team of, of uh, the best possible chemistry that can produce the best result. Yeah, very well said. Um, it, so I want to ask you a question about USA Hockey. Um, give us a, a, a thumbnail sketch of the health of USA Hockey because personally, I feel like it's probably never been been better. I think. Um, everything is in really good hands right now going forward. And, and give us your thumbnail of, of, of how USA Hockey sits right now. Well, I think you, I think your thought is probably a lot of people's thought. I think uh, from my perspective, it's very similar. I think they've done an incredible job. Uh, you know, when you look at, when you look at USA Hockey, um, in, in some of their in, uh, goals, you know, at the highest level, let's just start at the, you know, from a NHL perspective and, and a development perspective, you know, in order you know, to grow the game in the United States and continue to, you know, uh, find uh, interest, right, in, in areas that maybe people didn't think it was going to happen, you have to have, um, you have to have successful people coming from different parts of the country, right? So, you know, uh, you have you have to have that as far as both goes, right? And, and and the more success you can have across the country, which ultimately USA Hockey, you look at their NDTP program, players coming from all across the country as part of their NDTP program, um, and those players go on to get drafted, right? And get drafted, uh, you know at a very high level, whether it's first round, second round. And what happens is people start to build relationships with these players that come from around the country and are very successful. And it, it, it's like anything. Um, hey, if this guy can do it, coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, why can't I do it? Right. And if this guy comes out of San Jose, um, where hockey, you know, 10, 15 years ago was in a hotbed, but he's, he's drafting the first round. Why can't a guy from, uh, uh, you know, South Florida do it? Well, they can, right? So I think that USA Hockey sees that and understands that, and the NHL understands that, is that 
you know, from the very highest level perspective, having, you know, uh, players from the United States, all different parts, uh, being successful is really very healthy for the game. You know, uh, and what am I saying is that you can't just have high-end players from Europe and Canada. You right. can't just have the best of the best coming from there. You need great players coming uh, from the United States that, that it, they're interesting, they connect with people, they connect with fans, and, and those things help grow the game and, and also you know, help create realities. So I think USA Hockey, from the very highest perspective, um, uh, you know, has done a great job and they get it. Let me just answer um, another piece of this from, and I, you know, I'm just going to speak from the women's perspective. Okay, okay. Uh, fantastic. Uh, when, you know, just tell you exactly what I said, and to me, um, it makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, uh, uh, that you know, shortly after winning the gold medal, um, you know, many of the, the the top people at USA Hockey were there. In fact, they all were there, right? They're all there, right. pulling for us, and we win. And you know, let's call it 30, 40 minutes later, being congratulated by everybody, and everybody's happy, etc. So, but my my big thing I said to the people at USA Hockey was, um, I hope this helps your female registration, because ultimately that's going to happen, and 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 that's really what you want, right? You want more young ladies playing the game. You want them to see it. And 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 when you win a gold medal, um, you know, we really should see an increase in registration, excitement. And you know, then you gotta win another gold medal. You gotta do it again. Right? <laughs> but but the men's side, you know, with you know, with world juniors and whatnot, um, they've they've done well and, and those things matter, right? So so I think, you know, winning and, and, you know, especially on the Olympic stage, um, really should help registrations and exposure, which is ultimately, you know, to me is what you want is more kids, you know, playing sports, uh, especially team sports are, are so good for, you know, in so many ways, social development, uh, teamwork, uh, leadership, et cetera, right? So all those things are, you know, uh, when, you, when you take hockey away and the day that it, comes to an end for everybody, you know, you, you want, you know, one would think we all want more people uh, that have those qualities because that makes for uh, a better environment across the country, you know, uh, when people have those types of qualities. Well, I don't know how much you know about the desert Southwest, Rob, but I'll tell you, um, that Olympic victory that you guys uh, accomplished, the gold medal, um, it changed the perspective for women's hockey, girls' hockey in Arizona. The Arizona Kachinas program is uh, is flourishing to the point now where uh, a gentleman just started remodeling an, an old building to make it a nice rink. Um, he sh- expects to have it completed in about a month, and that will be the home of the Arizona Kachinas women program. So when you talk about growth in numbers, uh, I can tell you that was a huge growth in numbers. Uh, we also covered the ACHA program at Arizona State, and uh, Coach Lindsay Ellis there told me that uh, all of her girls were up late that night uh, cheering you guys on. So you made a difference in the desert southwest, or at least in the uh, in the Phoenix metro area. So uh, job well done from from our perspective, anyway. Uh, I'm going to ask Zach uh, to give me another question, and then uh, 
and then I'll wrap it up with uh, one for you here in just a couple of minutes. So, Zach, fire away at me. Okay, so yeah, so if you could ask him, I'm very well. One, I'm very interested in like the decision making process for the players and and how they choose to go there and why. Uh, if you can ask him, um, what was a like, what was a big factor in his son and how involved was he with his son in making the decision for Mankato and then seeing another opportunity in Providence? How how involved was he and what's that process? Okay, this one's a good one, Rob. I hope you're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Zach said he's he's really curious in the process. Uh, we cover uh, NCAA hockey at ASU uh, exclusively uh, when they're playing, obviously, and and he wants to know how involved you were in the process with Jackson to number one make that selection to go to Mankato State, and then even harder, how much were you involved in making the selection to to move on to Providence? Oh, great questions, Al. Um, uh, here's the thing, um, and, I, and again, I, I always say, you know, and I have a training center, Minnesota Goalie Training Center, I've been at that uh, 18 years, uh, 18 years now we've been at it, and the advice I give to my son wouldn't be any different than give to anybody, or a parent. So, so for my son... Um, going to Mankato and, and selecting Mankato uh, was his choice, uh, completely his choice. Um, I was happy to support him and, um, you know, uh, see the excitement. And, and you know, uh, it was, you know, fully his decision. Um, the, thing, the thing about Jackson, and this would happen to many kids, so it's not just Jackson, but um, – but especially goalies, especially goalies, the, the most critical thing for goalie development is games. Right. The more you see games, the more you see shots, the more you see good shooters, the more you see, you know, uh, two-on-ones, three-on-twos, the more you see certain power plays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? You, it's like it, ultimately, if, if, if you can really learn the game and you have a good IQ as a goalie, you start to pick up things and then, you become better by that repetition and by seeing things over and over. Well, you don't get good by just necessarily just watching. You can't get good by watching, but you've got to have both experiences. You know, I think it's always good to be a great student of the game. Um, uh, that That's critical, but you also got to take the things that you think you're learning, whether it's practice or studying, and then you got to apply them in real life. And that means games. So, so for, for Jackson, um, I think the biggest thing, and, and I conveyed to him, uh, was he had one more year of juniors left. Um, so he didn't have to necessarily go into Mankato last year, um, which, um, you know, you look at a college schedule, you're going to play 36 games, and you've got, you've got, you know, you look at a scenario, and you've got a returning goalie who's really good uh, in McKay, Um and you say to yourself, what you really would say to yourself is, look, I, you know, a guy can go back to, and so it's not just my son, but if you're in that environment or that scenario, you can go back and play, you know, 40, 50, you know, the USHL 64 games. But if you're a starter in that league, you're playing 45, 50 games, you know? So, so to, to, to look at that scenario and say, you know, I could definitely, I'm just, 
if I'm a starter, I'm going to play 45-50 versus if I go to college and I got to grind it out day in and day out, there's no problem with grinding it out. But if that means you're going to end up playing 8 to 10 games versus, you know, a 45-game scenario, I would say to any goalie, you've got to go and where you're going to get the games, uh, period. You know, you just got to put – it's like anything. You got to put the motion aside and – and think about it differently and not think about it emotionally. And that's really, you know, um, you know, the message I tried to convey to my son was that, that you've got two different scenarios. And then ultimately uh, the reality is, is that, uh, you know, about a third of the way through his college season there in Mankato, um, I think it hit him and he realized that uh, this isn't, this isn't going to turn out the way I thought, no matter what happens. Um, uh, you know, barring an injury, uh, I've got two two scenarios here. I could go back to doing hockey and play. Obviously, COVID came in, but at that point, it could have been still 35, 40 games, or I can play, you know, on the, on the top side and maybe five games, you know, the rest of the season at Mankato. At that point, it becomes easy, easy, very easy decision. And so, so, you know, as far as development goes, you just you have to keep developing a goal. You can't settle out. You, you've got to keep developing. Um, and so, you know, to answer Zach's uh, question is that, that you know, I tried to guide. I would try to guide anybody. If somebody asked me, I'd say the exact same thing, whether it's my son or not. And then as far as uh, after going back to the USHL, um you know, he was able to, the NCAA now has a rule where players uh, can go back into the um, uh, the recruiting pool. That's not the exact word they use, but it's basically you go back into the recruiting pool and other teams can recruit you then. Uh, that's, a, that's a process that has to happen. But once it happens, once you go through that process, then you're basically, you know, available to any college team. So, um Jackson choosing to go to Providence, um, uh, you know, like anything, you hope you learn from your experiences. You've heard me talk a lot about that. And, and uh, you know, I think Jackson learned from his experiences and, and made a good decision. So, you know, um, I, I would say I'm a parent that obviously it's, it's, uh, I've been involved in hockey a long, long time. Uh, you know, I want my son to be able to make his own decisions, but I also want you know, when the time is right to, to guide him, you know, guide him and, you know, help him see things. And, and you know, I was just thinking anytime uh, we get overly emotional, we typically don't make good decisions. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Okay. I want to end this one because uh, we are on professional hockey Southwest weekly. I want to get your opinion on a couple of things that we've seen so far in the NHL playoffs. Um, uh, I cover Vegas. That's kind of my beat for, for our company, too. So uh, I'm in the Vegas locker room quite a bit during the season. And uh, when Robin Leonard came in, I said, uh, the Golden Knights have now secured what I thought was a spot in the Stanley Cup final because they had the depth. They had the players. They, required, they uh, acquired Alec Martinez at the trade deadline to bolster their defense. They now had two number one goaltenders. But uh, as you just mentioned, it's a difficult thing for a goaltender because you want to play. You want the reps at every level. So my first question, Rob, is uh, in Vegas, uh, is Pete DeBoer and your uh, 
vision, uh, what you've seen, is he making the right moves uh, with Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury? And second to that is we saw a, a young American goaltender in uh, Thatcher Demko get some, some playing time for Vancouver, and he was outstanding. And, and the theory that the teams play stronger uh, or harder, if you will, for, for certain goaltenders, is that real? Well, it, that can be. That can be, okay? Uh, what I suspect right now um, that, uh, you know, where we are in the NHL playoffs, we're probably at a spot where the team, no matter who's in, you know, they're bringing their A game or their intent is to bring their A game. What, what I can relay is, is if, and, and this happens, okay? So, so it happens at the minor league level. It certainly will happen at the National Hockey League level. But I was looking at it from this perspective um, because I have that perspective is that when you're, a, in my, my opinion, when you're a goalie, you're that, you know, you're kind of that lone guy on a team. Obviously, you have two goalies. But, you know, you really have one job, and that's to keep the fuck out of the net. And, and anytime you start to worry a little bit more about that job or other jobs, excuse me, if you start worrying about other jobs, uh, players don't like it. They just, I'm telling you, they don't like it. And if you start getting outside your lane, uh, the players start to lose a little respect for that. And I've seen it happen more than one. So ultimately that if a goalie gets outside of his lane, trying to do things that maybe aren't in this, this job description, <laughs> that you, you, you end up kind of alienating yourself from the players, which ultimately those are the players that are going to play hard for you, right? Those are the guys you need every single night to go the extra miles so the team wins. And when the team wins, everybody looks good. So – I, I would say that at this time in the playoffs, you probably aren't going to see any of that. What I would touch on is, is uh, with Lindner, um, uh I texted my son not too long ago. I, uh, for, if I know he's watching the game, I'm watching the game and I'll text him. But I texted him not too long ago. I said, I really like him. I really like Lennon a lot. I, and, and what I like about him um, is it's hard it's hard to say exactly what style of goalie he is. <laughs> I was right? waiting for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So so if you're trying to beat him and you're if if, if these these opposing teams study goalies hard and they're gonna try to find the weak spots, which of course they should and, and that's a smart thing to do. But if you've got a guy that's a little, you're not quite sure what you're going to get. Like, I love how he challenges that guy. You know, he, he's got the ability to challenge, uh, kind of sit back. It's kind of like being able to play in between. And ultimately, the way I look at it is you're a little bit harder to scout than the guy that has just a style. Right. You can, you can look at guys in the NHL. You know what they're going to do. Nine out of ten times when the puck's in certain locations. Well, if that's the case, which it happens so often, then you see film, you see all the goals being scored, you see bad angles being scored, you see articles written on it. And I say, if you can 
If you can have a goalie that can show different looks in different in 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 one scenario, there could be three or four different ways to to you know protect the net. And if you're good at if you're good at protecting the net in a certain area more than just one way, you can do it multiple ways and you still have a high success ratio no matter which method you choose, but you're going to be a better scout and you're going to be a little bit more frustrating because a lot of times guys will say, well, I thought the goalie was going to do this, but well, yeah, but he's not the guy. He's not, let's say, flurry or he's not this guy or he's not that guy. He's got his own game and it's different. And I, that's why I really like him. And that's not a knock on Fleury at all. I, I think he's phenomenal, but I think the two of them are a great duo, to your point. I just like it. If, if For people that are listening that like baseball, right. and I just use this scenario here because uh, I was just talking about this scenario with a, a coach, um, that if you're going to go into this, uh, and I just asked the question, if you're going to go into this seventh game of the World Series, and, and you've got a pitcher that can throw heat. He's got a slider. He's got a nasty curve. And then, and then he's got an off speed right. versus a guy that throws heat. Right. Who do you want? I hear you. I hear you. I, 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 that's for people to answer. I know who I want. Right. Me too. I know who I want in that <laughs> game. And I kind of look at it as a goalie the same way as that. Gotta have. If you can develop the skill to show different looks and still be highly effective, highly effective, then I like your chances. And and I will say this one more for all those people uh, down in your part of the neck of the wood. Um, and, and and Phil Mickelson. Everybody remembers Phil Mickelson. Oh, yeah. He used to hit. Remember, he used to hit that, and this would be 10, 15 years ago. He used to hit that amazing flop shot. Everybody remember that flop shot? Oh, yes. And it was, it was really pretty. It was incredible. He's the only guy that could do it. And everybody would talk about that flop shot. Phil Mickelson might be the only guy that has it. But, but, I watched him a lot. Phil overused that move. Yes. He overused the shot. Yes, and guess what? He, he should have had a different shot. Now, to me, it's like, a goalie that overuses a move that people can scout and they're going to find the weakness in that. So Phil, you know, changed his game. He doesn't hit it as often. Right. He learned to, he learned to hit a different, a different um, trajectory uh, chip shot. And guess what? With that different trajectory chip shot, there was less room for air. And when there was less room for air, he was more successful. That's so I just, I just think about it. Like, and, I, and I, that's why I like guys like Leonard that look a little different. They surprise shooters. He's, he's, he's not afraid to challenge a shooter and give them nothing to shoot at. He moves well enough to do it. So I, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's a, a weapon. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. And I was able to watch practice, but one of the final practices, uh, Rob, before they left for the bubble, and uh, a lot of people in Vegas, uh, obviously Mark andre was a, and still is, a, a fan favorite because of everything he does in the community and everything else. And Robin had just arrived there. But uh, a lot of people asked me, they said, well, do you think 
is it going to be Leonard or is it going to be Flurry? And I said, if I'm Pete DeBoer, I think I'm going with, with Leonard because he, he, he looks more stable to where I use. He stands tall. He doesn't have a lot of moving parts. Um, he doesn't give shooters a lot to look at. And uh, Mark Andre kind of likes to make acrobatic saves here and there. <laughs> and while he gets it done most of the time, I think if I'm a, if I'm a head coach and I'm heading into the NHL playoffs and I got to win what, you know, 16 games to, to win the, the cup. Uh, I think I'm going to go with that guy. Like you just said, that, that gives you different looks. And in a lot of cases, I, I watched that the, a whole training camp um, either in person or on video and Robin, I don't think, gave up more than one goal the entire training camp. So, so it, it was phenomenal uh, to see, and I, that's a great point that you brought up. Well, I think I think you saw it. I, I see it. You know, I didn't know how you looked, saw it. I didn't know what you were going to say, but I see the same thing. I just don't see a lot of that. He's big, plays big. Uh, you, you know, it's discouraging when you look up as a shooter and you got you got a guy chasing you, your defender's on your tail, he's two feet away from you, and you look up and you don't see any net, you got to get rid of off, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and what happens is, is this is a lost item. This is a lost item goaltending. There's a lot of times, guys look up, if you, if, in the right time, you can't just cut off the angle when there's backdoor plays and there's other options, but that's not always the case. The goalie has to be able to read the scenario, and when they can... When they can make the shooter look up and, and the time is right and they don't see anything, they just <laughs> you will not believe the number of times a shooter's going to miss the net. And in my mind, that's the same. Whereas the goalie's back three feet, goalie's got to make a save or they pick the corner. You don't, goalies don't get credit for making shooters miss the net. But in my mind, at the right time, when a goalie plays his angles correctly, Stands tall and is big, and guys have to miss the net. In my mind, that to say because they did their job. They made it so hard that the shooters. And you know, it's very frustrating for a shooter when they have to be that fine, that perfect, right? Versus somebody that doesn't maybe recognize or doesn't play like that is is more you know, defensive in nature. They're still always going to be more net missing, and that's a little more. Okay, I'm going to give you one last one. I'm going to let you uh, tell us who you think it's going to be in the Stanley Cup final, but I'll, I'll close out your comment to me. But I heard it from Jonathan Marchessault uh, going up against Leonard in practice, and he said, Jonathan Marchessault, a great shooter, a great scorer. And he said, every time he comes in on Leonard, there's nothing to see except Robin Leonard. <laughs> he said he takes that every time he leaves the ice, he goes, why is there no net when Robin Leonard's there? Uh, it, it's, again, it, I, I love to hear this because, uh, like I said, I just, uh, you know, I was texting my son two weeks ago and I, and I was talking to somebody else about it and I said, I, I, uh, see, see, Scott, what one thing interesting about goals, um, you become, you can become a better goalie by teaching. And, and what do I mean by that is that when you shoot puck at goals, you're the actual shooter and you're teaching. 
you have a different perspective. When you're constantly shooting, you're trying to find holes, and you and you see goalies that sit back versus goalies that want to cover the net later angle. We have the shooter's perspective. If you're a goalie that has done nothing but really play goal and try to stop pucks, you don't have the perspective of shooting. It's hard to know the difference. It's really hard to understand how hard it is. But whether Robert uh, or Leonard, he, he ever has that perspective. But I can tell you, the guy that you were just, uh, who was the name of the player? Uh, Jonathan Marshall. Yeah, he knows. He's one. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and you know what? Ultimately, ultimately, you know, a, a goalie like that can really steal the confidence of shooters. I mean, yeah. just like that. Just, just totally uh, take away their confidence. Because to your point, what we've been talking about is a shooter. You know, you're looking at an NHL playoff game, uh, five minutes left in the you know, in the third period, and you're down by one, and you got somebody chasing on your back, get a pass, and you got to get rid of the shot in a split second, and all of a sudden you look up and there's no gun. That's discouraging. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rob Stopper, uh, you're fantastic. Thanks so much. I'm glad we could hook up and uh, and make you a part of our Minnesota Week coverage here on uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, give me your pick, if you will. Who's going to win the West? Who's going to win the East? And who's ultimately going to take that cup this year? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, I figured it out. That's why I was, I was thinking. I did. Here's what I think's going to happen. I think Vegas is going to get there in the end. And I think it, I think it's going to be Tampa or the Islanders. And I had to pick right now. I would pick Tampa for this reason. And um, you, know, you look back at the you look back at the days of Edmonton and listen to their story about coming up short. And then they came up short, and they needed to come up short in order to get over the top. And I think Tampa. You know, more than anybody realizes, uh, you know, that they didn't get it done last year. They had an incredible team, you know, all the points, etc. And, and, and they had a huge disappointment. You know, I'm just, just looking for it. And I think that might be enough for them to kind of have that track record that we've seen with teams that are kind of good, 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 don't get over the hump. Either they never get over the hump again and you probably don't see them, or they get over the hump. I have a feeling that that might get over the hump. Those might be the two teams to see in there, Vegas and Tampa. All right, you heard it. Uh, you heard it right here, folks. Uh, Rob Stauber, uh, bringing it as always. Uh, Rob, thanks again. I, I know the technical difficulties weren't the easiest, but the the conversation's been great. Thanks to Zach for for giving us some questions out there, so we could really get the get the perspective. Um, I'm going to be here for another four or five days. So if you're over at your facility, I'd love to come over and talk. <laughs> no problem. Um, I, I'm I'm actually uh, in northern Minnesota right here. I'm actually just north of Duluth, and I'm back in the cities on Friday. So let's catch up, okay? Absolutely, Rob Stauber. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, say hello to Jackson. I'm sure we're going to run into him somewhere along the line because we cover uh, ASU hockey, like I said, pretty exclusively, and we're hoping to be on the road with him. So Zach is our photographer. He'll probably grab some great shots of him the next time we get a shot at Providence. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot.
thanks for coming on. Uh, folks, that's Rob Stauber. Uh, we like to call him the Minnesota uh, definite legend because uh, he's nothing but a legend here in the state of Minnesota. I know we ran a little long tonight. Uh, Zach, thanks for uh, hanging in there because I know it's difficult, which you can only hear the, the things. You can't really interact the way you want to, but Another fantastic job by you. Just your thoughts and, and comments before we wrap up on, on Rob Sauber. Um, I mean, my gosh, the guy's got so much insight to everything. And that was one question I really wanted to ask him is just that, that process and, and, um, and the, um, uh, the, gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. Um, the advice, the advice he gives to, uh, to a player who's who in in a in a position where it's very competitive, not like we're forwards where you can roll nine uh, or twelve guys out on the line. There's more opportunities for them, but there's really two goalies, sometimes three, um, on a team. And and how do you get those opportunities? So it was really interesting to hear uh, the advice that that he had given. And with his son being so close to situation of you know picking a school. And that's what I I suspected is that he was looking for more starts, um, and so and well, that's kind of what he alluded to. Yeah, the handwriting was on the wall in Mankato. I mean, for not sure. from anything Jackson did, but just the fact that Dryden McKay is, uh, you know, perennially one of the best goaltenders in all of college hockey. It's hard yeah, to get into that spot. And if there was not a Mike Richter award, he McKay could potentially be that Holby Baker winner. He's just he's that good. So um, yeah, it was really interesting to hear the insight that he had, especially being somebody who I don't think I've ever talked to a, a, a somebody who's got a gold medal. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's somebody who's got so much knowledge. He's been around. We talked about his accolades. I mean. Uh, from from college, a, a record of seventy three wins, twenty three losses. That's that's pretty darn good. And he gets drafted. He plays for LA. He plays in the minors. He gets traded to Buffalo. Then he coaches a women's World Cup. Wins that. Uh, wins two. He, he gets a gold medal and a silver medal, and then wins a gold medal in the Winter Olympics. And yeah. it's I mean that that's somebody who knows what they're talking about. So it's really cool to hear his insight. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could have gone on for another hour or so, but uh, we're already 10 minutes long. So um, why don't you go ahead and wrap it up with your uh, your read, and then we'll close it out with Roger Klein and the Peacemakers tonight and Little De Niro. And obviously thank Rob Stauber for doing everything he could to get on. He's, he's north of Duluth, folks, and if he's up there, sometimes the phone stuff is kind of sketchy as well. So um, go ahead, Zach. Take it away. Absolutely. Get this going here. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting technical difficulties. All right, Not here we problem. go. So professional hockey. Okay. Yep, we're good. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by, voted by the best Ford dealer in Arizona, Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, is a presenting partner of the Sunday Special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you. To see a top-selling line of four trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Our dining rooms, in accordance to the CDC guidelines, are open in all 12 Valley locations and in California. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, see Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you how the power of the new T-Mobile. Whenever it's playoff time or any time, it's always time for the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Call us at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. 
Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. By Summer Skates, our line of shower shoes can show off your fandom or team unity with a custom design. Visit summerskates.com. Behind the mask, it's time to get back into hockey. For all those hockey needs, visit any of our three locations. Go to behindthemask.com. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe. By ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Ice Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Find the bottle that suits your taste. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com. By OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. By M-Drive. Go to MDriveForMen.com. Use promo code IcetimeHockeySouthwest at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. By Iceden Scottsdale and Chandler. See our see websites for hot ice availability. Pro Hockey Southwest Weekly and all our Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest Network. All right. That couldn't have been uh, more well done considering what we had to do <laughs> to make the show go tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so thankful to have Rob on, like I said, and Pat Micheletti and uh, and Jess Myers last night uh, talking about the NCAA stuff. And it, it's been fantastic. Uh, Zach, thanks for tuning in and helping us out. Um, if you're available a Sunday, we'll see you Sunday night for uh, the Pandemic Playoff Podcast. And who knows, I'm going to uh, see if I can sneak over to Rob's uh, facility and uh, do a little one-on-one with him there, too, for the for the website. So uh, look forward to it. Thanks again to Rob Stauber, the uh, Minnesota Gopher legend, the uh, the hockey goalie guru. I don't know if there's any better out there, folks. And thanks to my partner, Zach Bondrat, for, for sticking with us through the, uh, the difficulties Uh, Have a great evening, and we'll see you all Sunday night for the Pandemic Playoff Podcast.